0: Changes, so, face the ch- ch- this is Bach the Bach, the change. podcast opening up the world of classical music one change. beer at a time. And this is episode 19.
1: 19 episodes.
0: 19 episodes. And in this episode, we're talking about the game changers. I'm excited. Yeah. We, this is both a new adventure in both avenues for the beer and the classical music side of things. And it's a big name today. It's a big name today. He's an old name. He's a deaf name. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone knows not helen keller but But we're talking about of course the ever famous ludwig von beethoven and his third symphony the Eroica symphony this is one of the game changers in all of western music and all of classical music that changed the direction of how people wrote after that time it changed everything
1: and the ones that came later that we are, we all recognize the the fifth and the ninth yeah. and those those are the ones you have probably heard we've mentioned them offhand yeah and, and if
0: the ninth it's the oh the joy theme we which you've heard since
1: you were in you know whatever yeah, grade. The youngest age and the fifth is the bum 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 which everyone recognizes but the third this is the one that revolutionized yeah, this was a it. giant jump
0: for himself and for music so just kind of go give you some background behind it Beethoven wrote this piece. um, Coming right off, right finishing the second symphony, which is very still reserved in the in the scheme of things, it is um, still much more in the classical sense, slightly in the baroque sense. It was it was very traditional. It wasn't a giant leap forward, and so when he reached the third symphony and started writing that, it changed everything. The way he used harmonies, the way he used the structure. I mean, even though it's in a very Repetitive sense, you'll hear there's an A section, a B section, and then the A section again. So it's kind of, what like you think of like, it's called a rondo form, ABA, or mm-hmm. you think of like a sandwich. Yeah. The outsides are the same, the middle's different. Yeah. With this one, the middle changes completely. Like, it's like if, say, you're making a PB&J, and all of a sudden it's a turkey sandwich. It's something completely different. Like, he put something brand something new in the middle. Analogy, yeah. And actually. Yeah. And what was cool is that the second time around, in the second A section after the B section... Is he introduced the French horn in the melody, which at that time the French horn, or now referred to as just horn, um, was still a very new instrument in 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 music, in classical music at the time. So he was
1: bringing it right to the forefront and just saying, "Yeah, check it out."
0: Yeah, and it's inc-
1: the tone is just perfect for this piece. Now I asked this, and I and I and I don't know the answer, so I'm hoping you can help me out. Um, between the second and third, did you start to see traces of this new way of thinking in his smaller pieces, in his quartets, in some of his Yeah,
0: I mean, hits? this is still very early on in his career. Um, I mean, he was, I, w- I want to say, early 30s at this point. Okay.
1: Um, so he's still making a name for himself. Still,
0: oh, yeah. I mean, he's established at this point. But one thing that was different for him was he started to go a bit crazier and started to really
1: not right. write for... Others, but write for what was going on in his own mind, and which at the time um, a lot of a lot of pieces were on commission still, right? Yeah. So, so like to write for yourself was a bit rare. And what was really cool about this was you'll hear it
0: within probably the first eight to ten seconds, um, and it starts off with the cello um, and viola line um, with this melody, and it has it does what's called a chromatic descent, and where it goes down by half steps which, rather than taking big leaps, it's tiny, small steps moving downward, mm-hmm. which, in a melody line, rarely happened until this point. This is kind of a new new endeavor. Especially in a big symphony. In a big symphony. Sym- <laughs> and this is called a symphony grande, or, or a, sorry, a grande symphony. So, a large symphony. This is, most symphonies prior to this much smaller in number, yeah. it was much more, more limited. We're talking like forty people. This and is now, where we're going to get sixty or sixty-five, seventy. Big so we're really sound. yeah boosting the numbers up. So this is a giant leap in the sense of numbers, tonality, and just emotion, and like actually creating a storyline behind it. Yeah. And this was this is definitely a, a new endeavor. I mean, it's been kind of touched on, but he kind of went you know balls to the walls with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and said, "Screw it, I'm going to do this." And uh it was a whole new new way of composing and i think he definitely set the tone for the rest of his works from that point on if you look at his symphonies from that point on it's kind of weird every other symphony is incredible well for the most part so 3 I, I do like the 6 i don't know 3 is really good yeah 4 shit Five is great. Yeah. Well, five is like a mix. Five's a, we five know, is, we know yeah, five. is very known. For, that's, but, that's the famous. But see, one. just that theme is, but the rest is not known that well. Yeah. Six, the pastoral symphony, really cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. We've pictured we that everything. before, yeah. yeah. Seven, great. Eight, meh. And then, of course, nine. Nine was the last one. If you guys want to hear the pastoral,
1: or rather, the movement four, or sorry, uh um, uh, it was, it was fourth movement. Maybe it right was now. fourth yeah. movement. The Tempest. We we featured it with uh, with no. um, Luke Livingston. That's no. No, it was a Pete Bissell. Oh, no, it was. It was. it was the yeah, we early were talking, We were talking. It was the second. We were talking about autumn, uh, and and the, that That's kind of That's right. Autumn, I
0: look at you with memory. Um,
1: the memory. And that kind of uh, storm coming through. So if uh, if you guys want to hear a bit more Beethoven outside of this episode, go back to episode two. Luke Livingston. Actually,
0: do this first. Listen to this. And then work your way backwards, see where he stemmed from. So like That's go like here here like you know that that sixth symphony, the pastoral symphony, and work your way backwards to three. And if you want to go, listen to five, the first movement you'll recognize and kind of be a little reminiscent. Yeah, of, you know, used in Looney Tunes all the time as well. And then you go back and work your way towards three. Um, this is a it's a longer movement. I think when they started saying Grande symphony, aside from size. Also, the length of the piece. This, this. So, we're just playing the first movement today, right? First movement today, and and the whole symphony in this total is around fifty six minutes. This first movement is around sixteen minutes long, which is long, but it's actually really exciting, um, because aside from all this, he starts using dissonance. And dissonance, if those who don't know, is the term for when notes don't go together, when things don't feel so uh, at harmony or at, at like that work so well together. Yeah. They create
1: tension. If you listen to our last episode, the sounds of fear—that's a big. Oh yeah, uh, that's a all big tool that they use as dissonance in order to create that kind of. Uh, f- for example, the the well known psycho screech, mm-hmm. um, the high violins that that and is those dissonance. are all
0: notes that are right next to each other, but like just slightly at intensity. Yeah. It creates you want you makes you want to cringe. Yeah. For this though, you're you dating, dating back 150 years prior to that, and. The way he wrote this was he wrote chords and notes that just didn't resolve. He didn't let it resolve. He didn't let things kind of calm out. And they just stayed dissonant. And then in time, he finally dragged you along and and created the resolution. Um, It's really cool. And there's actually a great website that dives in Justice Symphony. It's called com. There's a whole website dedicated to the Justice Symphony because... To most musicologists, most uh, teachers, theorists, it's studied more and more as time has gone on. And it's really become this forefront of what changed Western music. The music that we listen to today, you know, in America, America. America uh, it, it definitely changed the whole direction of how we observe and listen to music because of this piece.
1: So without further ado, have a listen. And when we come back... We're talking about oyster stouts and bad mother shuckers. Stay tuned. (音楽) Thank you. Thank you. (音楽) ¶¶ Can you imagine going to the symphony, expecting just your normal run-of-the-mill symphony and, then, and having that come at you? I mean, and,
0: and think about it, even prior to radio days, anything like this. When you went to see a symphony, you never, especially a brand new one, there's no teasing it ahead of time. There's no yeah. promo. There's nothing. It's just,
1: this is, this is it. And even, even you may have heard stories. Yeah. But as far as, even if it wasn't the, the opening performance, you were still... Hearing it for the first time, there was no, you, you know, people couldn't bring back recordings. It was yeah, I, I think
0: it's so so cool. Like it just does, it's just a giant wave. It just ebb and flow all the time. It's, it's all of a sudden quiet, and then just in your face and quiet again. And then he just he toys with you a lot, which is
1: such a cool concept. He, he was he was a master at it, and he, and he only got better. I mean, it just uh, he got crazy. I think it's why he got crazier was why he got better. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. Um, speaking of crazy and ebb and flow. I like the, especially the up and flow. We were talking before the uh, the break about uh, oyster stouts. This is a, a big one. This is the first one for us really. We haven't yeah, dealt. We have not had an oyster stout yet. And we saw this. We were uh, we were home for the weekend, and uh, we went to our local uh, beer shop, Westmere Beverage, out in Albany, New York. And this place, growing up, you know, they were one of the first ones to have Shipyard outside of Maine. They were you know, they had. I'm trying to think of other... They had, you know, Magic It Hat. was a Sierra Nevada yeah, at the time. Yeah, they had Magic Hat, Sierra Nevada. And that was considered... Craft you know, brew. And, yeah, way outside the boundaries. And now you go there and it is... It is like the light showing... It is, it is
0: my favorite beer distributor ever. It's amazing. And it
1: makes... I'm sorry. It is it is the best one I've ever been to. And we pulled... We, we just had a box. We just started pulling beer off the shelf. And Kevin found this one and... Uh, made it was a, strictly based off the bottle. I oh, didn't yeah. care about
0: what it was... I didn't care about what kind or the, how good or bad the beer was. I said it was like this is perfect. This is this is a freaking such a cool name.
1: And it does, and it, and a great label. It's called this. This is called Bad Mother Shucker, after. The uh, Oyster Shucking. And so this is from Abita Brewery down in Louisiana. We are going down south for this one. Down Um, south. And it was actually, it was uh, Sean Sullivan we were talking to a few episodes Mm. back. I was asking about barley wines and the southern breweries and like the darker beers. Um, Because, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know much about the breweries down south. I don't either. Um, But here, Abita Brewery down in Louisiana is brewing the Bad Mother Shucker Oyster Stout. Now, Oyster Stouts... um, you know I, I we've spent as a family a lot of time in ireland and the irish breakfast of oysters and stouts is, is pretty commonplace but you can see where a lot of people who don't necessarily know beer think that this may just be another you know feat or a, a publicity stunt by a lot of the craft beer industry nowadays people are trying to put everything possible into beer yeah. so and and there's certain partnerships that work chocolate works with like that kind of dark bitter roasty mm-hmm. bit um, you know cherries work in in Belgians um, we were reading this one thing where even putting Yerba Mate the, the Argentinian tea with, with the IPAs. In an IPA with an IPA because the bitters like it, it works but some people sit there and think okay well, who's the who's the idiot who, who tried oysters um, but this actually goes back a really long way this isn't some modern craft beer thing this goes back a long time um, into the 1800s where, as we were just saying, especially Ireland, England, the a lot of times an oyster stout was just a name for a session where you went to the pub and had oysters and drank stout. And they worked really, really well together because you had the um, kind of roasty caramel flavor of the stout um, up against the... The, the, the saltiness yeah, and the... Yeah, the, the briny, acidic, acidic bit of the, the oysters. So it was a great compliment. Um, they don't know when some genius first started putting them both together they had um they knew they started putting the shells into the vat at different stages of the fermentation so that that would help clarify the beer and then they think somewhere in 1929 they've pinned it down to what they believe is 1929 where someone actually put the meat you know the actual oyster bit himself inside the vat in in they think in new zealand that's where they think we first started putting something besides the shell into it all, um, and what you have, I mean, this beer—it's awesome. It's eight percent ABV, so it's not a—it's not a nightender. No, yeah. You know, it'll 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 hit you. A bit. We've been we've been having such high ABVs recently that like 8% eight percent, eight, fucking eight, yeah, it's great. So it's but um, you just know, having it now, mm, it's it was, and it's got it's got like flavors of some of the black ales we've had from companies like Slightly Miami. bitter, yeah, yeah.
0: Slightly bitter aftertaste, but but that's, but sweet start, like sweet you know, um, start to it, and then it just it's just smooth, and then slightly bitter at the end. But like it's like well
1: balanced. It's that same. Car- you can get the the like the caramel notes that you, you expect yeah. out of a stout. It's really nice. Um, Beer Advocate is scoring it at, at uh, eighty seven. Um, we, and I have to agree with him It's it's not you know, uh, it's it's not the best stout I've ever had. That. I don't know. I'd put it higher. Um, it's it's I think what we should do in the in the near future I would hope is try pairing this with actual oysters. Okay, I think maybe we would get a, a whole new side out of it. Um, but uh, what the way the way beer advocate writes it up, deep in the oyster beds of Louisiana, services one bad mother shucker. A beet is oyster stout brewed with pale caramel roasted and chocolate malts. Uh, the mother shucker is hopped with Willamette hops and balanced out with a sweet and full flavor of oats. So wait, yep. Yeah. Perfect. Just had to say it. Oats, people. It was make the world go round. Um, mm-hmm. And then to top it all off, fresh Louisiana oysters are added to the brew in the final stages. Um, so that's where the, that kind of sea salty bit comes from. Uh, and if you look through the history of oyster stouts, they go in... Uh, people have tried it at all different stages. Um, uh, and it's definitely worth a read-up. Uh, we, can, we can put stuff up online as well. Just if you're interested... Yeah, again, this is not some gimmick of the craft beer industry. This is something that goes back a long time, well into the eighteen hundreds, um, and then in its current incarnation before the before the Great Depression. Yeah, you know, this is this is this is an old style beer, um, with with in this particular case some really great artwork and a really great flavor. Yeah,
0: and and you can find them at abita.com. Check out all their beers, their social media. Check out what they stand for, their mission, and really follow this brewery because they create a great product, both visually and texturally.
1: Yeah, really cool website. Also, in uh, in current news, no technical win to the Walking Dead nope. contest. First of all, not a lot of show up so, on that first one. First of all, thank you for saving us money. We appreciate it. But that being said, those who did enter, you know, we're going to keep your tab because in uh, in a few months when Season 7 rolls around... The answer is going to come out of who died, just for those who weren't sure. Hopefully it's
0: episode one. We kind of get that settled and then
1: over with. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully they'll, they'll come out. Just for those who weren't sure, in, uh, in the season finale of season six of Walking Dead, uh, we we did a run-up to it in our last episode, and uh, we, we put a challenge out there. Who was going to be the, the one who suffers at the hand of, of Negan, the, the new villain? And uh, the way the guys at Walking Dead played it, we don't know. They, uh, they, they made sure that we knew there was a death but They didn't let us know who it was. So we've got to wait a long time to find out. They are teasing. So anyways, uh, we're keeping you guys on tap. And when the, when the answer really does come out, if uh, one of you guys was right, you still get that prize pack. Hopefully by that time, the prize pack will have grown in size or something. So a lot at least
0: one beer extra, maybe.
1: Easily. And in more news,
0: starting April 26th, all of our podcasts will become video podcasts from here on out. You can still download them on iTunes and SoundCloud for your listening pleasure. But also, if you want to see our beautiful faces every Tuesday, you get to watch all of our podcasts on YouTube
1: for free. So this means no more podcasts in pajamas then?
0: No more podcasts pajamas, no more podcasts in just Winnie the Pooh style, shirt, no pants, whatever you want to do. But right now, we are going to be offering our podcasts on so we kind of have much more interactive. You get to see the guests we have, interact with them, leave comments, follow us, share us, and and and, and keep up with us even more than you have already. And this has been another episode of changes. Bach to Bach. Thanks for
1: listening, guys. Cheers. Cheers. To
0: change,
1: yes.